What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for everyday life. I'm Toshiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross. What is discipleship? Have you ever wondered how to do holistic discipleship? Why does discipleship matter in our culture? In this series, Discipleship You 101, we will hear from urban women Bible teachers doing real life discipleship in the urban context and are ready to bring us on in with truth and practical knowledge. Grab your tea, your coffee, and some paper because this series is going to bless your whole life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Urban Christian Christian Woman. What's up, ladies? Welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. We are in deep with Discipleship You 101. This yes. That has blessed y'all's whole lives so far. Mm-hmm. We know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. here today. We have a wonderful guest, Corey Porter. And as we talk about collegiate discipleship, y'all, I got to give the background. I got to tell you who Corey is. She yes. um, is providing executive board membership leadership to the Ann campaign. Corey was born and raised in Oxford, Mississippi, and graduated from the University of Mississippi, where there she studied public policy, sociology, and religion to earn a BA in liberal studies. Corey has an MA in theological studies with an emphasis on religion and society at Princeton Theological Seminary. She has been published in his testimony, Our Heritage. Shout out to Christy. The yes. Shout out, Sister Christy. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, Sister Christy. Ooh, girl, <laughs> y'all got to check out this Ann Campaign's new narrative on abortion, pro-woman, and pro-child. Yes. She has 13 years of experience in campus ministry, and most recently, she served on the campus of Princeton <clears throat> University. Welcome, Corey. We're so hey, glad to be here. Hey, Leah. Hey, Tashiva. It's good to be here. Yes. yes. Thank you for joining us for this conversation on collegiate discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so just as we jump in, tell, give us your journey, your sort of history up into this point about understanding what is discipleship. When did you first experience it? When did you first yeah. understand it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was kind of early on. So I came, I came out the world, all right, real hardcore. <laughs> and okay. then around um, 18 years old, I came into college through a second chance program at Ole Miss, like you just mentioned. And there, there were two men who gave me the gospel. So early on, two guys just kind of straight up told me about my sins, told me I was out of pocket. Um, and by God's grace, <laughs> um, I received that. Um, and then it just turned into this beautiful dynamic between us all, between me and the two guys, but their wives as well as like church members around me who just kind of start pouring into me. So I don't think I knew mm. the terminology of discipleship. I think my experience was just a real discipleship, like a uh, mentor type of experience. And I think honestly, if I, if I look back and I ask them probably why they felt like the need to pour into me, it's because I was just evidently broken. Mm. Like, you know, there was just a lot of brokenness that I mm. wanted to be healed from and that I wanted to see God in. And I had no idea how to get to a place of, um, yeah, of healing or to experience God. And so it was just a lot of me asking God to really, um, asking people and asking God to kind of step in and really help show me a path that I had no idea how to navigate mm-hmm. myself coming from mm-hmm. where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And girl, even you just sharing that, I, I think um, is already encouraging because mm-hmm. um, oftentimes we, when entering into discipleship relationships, women can sort of feel like, oh, well, I have to have myself just a little bit together no. to ask this woman to disciple yeah. me. No. And you're saying like, you know <laughs> what? They they saw that in me and were saying, listen, yeah. we we love you. We want to yeah. bring you in. And that yeah. is the gospel. You yeah. know, what do you think are are some, some needs that you see um, most relevant in collegiate uh, young adult women in the context 
that can be addressed through discipleship. Yeah. And I'm going to back up really fast what you just said, Toshiba. Like when you're approaching a woman for discipleship, any woman worth her salt in the gospel, if she sees your brokenness or sees your struggle and then see you reaching out for help, any woman that really is compelled by the gospel, she wants to, she's attracted to that. Like she wants to move mm-hmm. towards you. She doesn't want to run away from you. Um, I'm in um, something right now, some program. And I had a young girl, a woman who's actually older than me, but she's new to the faith. And she hit me up and we were walking through some stuff in prayer. And it was just amazing how she just made my heart leap because she's just mm. now getting to the gospel, but she wants to grow. And as somebody 13 years into like into it, like that brings me back to the day of my salvation, right? Yes. So I, I want to be a part of that. I praise God for now this relationship I have with this woman, even though she's older than me, but she wants to yeah. be able to be in a process of growth. And I want to see her through that. So to your point, I do think there's something about not having it together, but having that humbleness where you allow the Lord to come in and to speak into your life and submitting to that um, willingly mm-hmm. to some a, a woman speaking into your life. But to your point about the collegiate part about like girls nowadays, like what is something that could be like, that, that one thing, um, I think no matter what your age is, to be honest, I think it's identity. I think we can mm-hmm. all say that. I don't give you 60. I don't give you 50, 40, 30. 10-year-olds, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, come You're on. Come always on. asking about the identity piece. Like, who am I? That's what we continuously yes. ask. That's what you ask when you post on Instagram and you're looking for them likes. Like, mm-hmm. who am I? Like, give me identity. Come on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for me, I feel like identity is a huge piece for the collegiate space. But it's interesting, though. Now, I will say this because they're coming out of high school and people have told mm-hmm. them who they are for quite some time. And then mm. they're getting to this place where they got all this freedom, where they're able to stay up two, three o'clock in the morning. They're able to be in so-and-so dorm room, go out to whatever party. Um, they have these social climates where it's not no longer who you were from kindergarten to 12th grade is now you can go out and make yourself to be anybody. So identity yes. is mm-hmm. a whole different conversation mm-hmm. because yes. you're trying to reinvent yes. yourself. So with that being said, I do think the piece of identity um, is something that when I have relationship and discipleship with my girls, the first and foremost, I'm trying to um, not certify, but cement who they are because they're already, mm. the parents have given them something, right? They, they have, yeah. they're coming in with something, but they, they don't yeah. necessarily know what the stand is. So from 18, when I meet a girl that freshman year, I'm trying to walk her all the way through her senior year so that when she gets out, that she feels like there's something that she can say about herself, which is that I'm a Christian woman mm-hmm. and that I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing mm. else she got, if she ain't know that she's a valedictorian, if she on. don't know that she's somebody girlfriend, if she don't know that she's going to be killing in her career, what I do need mm-hmm. her to know is that she's a child of God. You know, Come and on. from that position, it paints a whole different way in which she walks throughout her, her years, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the boardroom, whether it be with some boy, like whatever she's doing is going to change up because she knows who her core identity is. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. college students are really looking to see what who they are. And I think discipleships help to form that and segment that into Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know all of us have a story of literally Ooh. thinking that, you know, who you are, but really in college, you realize one, you have no idea. And yeah. two, that's the, that's the time where that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all shaping and forming. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I will go ahead, Corey, go ahead. Well, it was just something Leah just said is because it's also grace because you don't know. Like in allowing them to be okay with not knowing mm-hmm. and allowing grace for when they mess up because they're trying to figure it out. And so I think that's a really big uh, a part because I do have, you know, you attract who you are in some ways in discipleship. I mean, my job mm-hmm. is in discipleship, whether it be through the church or whether it be through a campus ministry. So I, I work with all backgrounds. I work with shy girls. I work with introverts. I work with like, you know, the ones who want to be on Broadway in front of everybody, mm-hmm. like the whole range. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I do realize that like when I'm working with them through a problem, a lot of the girls, I tend to attract girls who are really serious about their faith. 
but, and they're really serious about forming who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed mm-hmm. that they don't oftentimes give themselves is grace, right? Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening that is common in discipleship relationships with them. If you're not giving yourself grace, you don't know how to give others grace. So I Come feel on. women who struggle in a community aspect of being able to be kind and generous toward others um, in their community. And so that's an issue that we work out in discipleship as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. oh, yeah. We know. I mean, mm. I, I've, I've encountered that as well. You know, and I think that even is some you see some of that in the manifestation of, oh, I just don't I don't have a relationship with females or mm-hmm. you know, I, we mm-hmm. that whole dynamic of like females who don't have friendships with other females because of that lack of grace or lack yeah. or, dis, or distrust. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, man, I hear you that that's oh, so yeah, important. You got the girl. girl. That's <laughs> what I was about to say. I was like, I was like, you just cracked. Hey, she just, just cracked crack something open. She just cracked something <laughs> open. Okay. Which, wow. which, we which we literally need to just go ahead and ask I, Corey I, right I, now. What are that. the, Corey, just go ahead and dive mm-hmm. into it. What are the hindrances oh. that you see? Not just with, I, I mean, like, I feel like this is going to be collegiate, but I feel yeah. like some of us are, some of us who are adult women are yeah. still operating with a collegiate. Yeah. Girl, that deserves um, tongues and interpretation. Okay. <laughs> interpretation. Okay. Yes. So what, what I would love for you to articulate is what hinders um, women that you have walked with from entering into not only uh, just receiving grace for themselves, but being able to pour that out as the second mm. command calls us to, to yeah. love my mm. next, my yeah. next home girl, like yeah. I love myself. Break that down yeah. for us. What hinders yeah. that? Man, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I had to, I had to self-reflect. Before I even look at the next woman, I got I got to look at myself. Mm. And when I mm. I came from a very like I said broken, rough and tumble background, so I naturally get along easy with men, right? I told you mm-hmm. two men gave me the gospel. That means two mm-hmm. men first right. started discipling me, mm-hmm. and so I was right. very naturally comfortable around men. And nothing sexual, nothing extra, right? I'm just talking about I just feel safe around godly mm. men because I saw mm. godly men work their salvation out was above board. So when I got around mm-hmm. women, I was like, what are we crying for though? Like, like, like I, I, I didn't understand. Like you got to see and you repent and we move on. Um, so it was very difficult for me. Um, off top, when I started to get around the, the, the feminine um, spaces, yes. the feminine energy, and it made me physically uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I had to be okay to be able to admit that. Corey, you're uncomfortable yes. with your own. And I had to identify as woman and understand the goodness of what it means to be a woman, right? And I say this all the time when I'm going through Genesis, but when God created, you know what I'm saying? And he created man off top. And that was a beautiful thing that he did. But for the first time in the creation account, he says, it is not good. And what was not good? It was not good that man was alone. Mm -hmm. And so it was the absence of woman where God and his eternal voice cries out into this creation is so beautiful. It is not good. Mm. And so woman is a good gift, but she's a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I see myself as woman created by God, I say, man, I'm a good thing. And it's good for myself. But it's also good that other women mm-hmm. are created. Mm-hmm. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's not to even harp on the gender because God would have said the same thing if woman was there alone mm-hmm. and man wasn't there. It's because mm-hmm. both right. reflect the imago day of God. It mm-hmm. affects the image right. of God. You need both male and female to do that. So when Come I on. look at a woman and I see her and she's crying or weeping, I see Jesus who weep when Lazarus didn't raise. Mm-hmm. Hey. I mean, like I, I see it in a different uh-huh. light. There's something beautiful that's going come on, on here in the woman experience. I think for a long time, uh, you know, women in these recent days, we've been told to be harder, to be stronger. You know, the future is woman. And hey, it is. Don't get me wrong. But in that, I come with the fullness of my femininity. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I see another sister and I want to, I want to make sure she gets there as well. And so it's mm-hmm. not this, I, I feel like, again, I'm just trying to say, what are things that hindered? What hindered me was I didn't understand the goodness of what God had created in other women. And so mm-hmm. that hindered me from entering and seeing other women in a way that they were supposed to be seen. So off top, I mm-hmm. had to repent for that. Right. And then again, mm-hmm. on top of that, when I started to be around women, I just had to start to realize, yo, there is something beautiful about the opposite of me as a woman. Right. And so my my dearest and closest friends oftentimes are way more chill, way more mellow. Um, I got a good friend, Lisa Fields, um, and Lisa often says we're yin and yang. So mm. she's chill and mellow and I'm hype. <laughs> like I'm, I'm on 10 all the time. I'm aggressive. Oh, I could be a little bit angry. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I'm dealing with some stuff in the spirit. Amen. But Lisa is just chill. But sometimes Lisa can be too chill. She got a problem and she just be letting it go. I'm like, no, we're just not going to address that. We're just not going mm-hmm. to sit in that. Um, mm-hmm. So we have to work that through, though, in our friendship. And she makes me a better woman and more closer to Christ. And so I just think mm-hmm. one of the hindrances that we're not real with ourselves. We're not real with what we understand women to be and how they're created. Um, and yeah, and again, I think society plays a huge part of pitting women against each other, particularly Black women. Um, and I think in the most recent days, it's been better that all Black women can win. But when I was coming up, um, it could only be one or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only one or two black mm-hmm. chicks and then you had mm-hmm. a light-skinned one and you had a dark-skinned one but you couldn't have both my god mm-hmm. because they can confuse you because they, they don't know how to identify you mm-hmm. so you, you gotta have difference differentiation um so yeah that's that's a lot of going off track i'm not <laughs> but yeah you gotta get it it's definitely um mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting to see the woman and i'm leah thank you for segueing us into that because that definitely has a lot of anxiety and and i think hurt behind it, particularly in our circles as Black women, um, yes. walk into a room and embrace another woman um, with open arms. Mm. You know, it should be yes. no hindrance there, and you should mm. always promote and always be for other women. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We got to sit with that. that sip. I know. We, we got to sit, sit with that, that for, for like two seconds. Five seconds. <laughs> you got to sit with that. Goodness. I mean, and and that's applicable across the board. I think, like you said, it's heightened Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times in spaces with women of color because of that tension of the history of competing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I mean, it really is, is true across the board. Oh yeah. Compete, competing, Mm -hmm. comparison, Mm -hmm. and thinking that only one can win. I mean, Corey hit that just so on. And thank you, Corey, for even walking us back to, right? Like, as you talked about how identity is the issue, like you just walked us back through scripture about where our identity is rooted. Like the image of God, the reflection of God that we, that we have as, as women, like, thank you for taking us there. That is so, that is so important. That is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. If we, if we talk about how, um, you know, discipleship, like you've, you've talked about campus ministry and your engagement there, that's a lot of where college students first encounter uh, Christian discipleship or maybe first encounter the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about that. We see that often the church does play sort of a backseat in this discipleship, particularly during the collegiate years. Um, I mean, so tell us, like, is it, it is just, is how it is? Like, are there ways that college students maybe could benefit from the context of a church that are missing out on? And how do we connect that? Like, how do we connect the church and uh, the collegiate demographic? Yeah, Yeah, the collegiate... The, the collegiate ministry in particular, too, because I think even sometimes there can be campus ministries and local churches can sort of see like they're competing and that they mm-hmm. have to have one or the other. One so, the Corey, other. break mm-hmm. that down. Yes, yeah. break that down. 
Yeah. And I tend, when I feel like there's chaos, I tend to try to go towards structure, just my personality. Mm-hmm. So when um, so when you first start talking, it's like, um, yeah, I definitely can see that there could be this comp- competition or this like, yeah, who's going to get the person for the Sunday or who's going to get the person um, service, um, who's going to get the student service. It's going to be the uh, the nursery on Sunday or is it going to be the campus ministry on the Thursday night large group? And so I can see the competing of resources there and why that is. But I would say first and foremost, um, you know, the church gets gets the prize. Mm-hmm. Christ made it very clear that the church is his bride. Mm-hmm. He's given promise to the church. And so at the end of the day, campus ministries um, rise and they fall every day. Um, I just got laid off in August from a campus ministry um, that had been you know, supplying students with the gospel for the last 15 years. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, what will not prevail against um, the gospel is, um, is is the enemy when it comes to the church. And so I think mm. the pride, first and foremost, in addition to God's promises to the church specifically, you also see authority there. And you see an authority structure that is, is um, how do I say, ordained by God mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. able to, to rear a person in such a way that growth in godliness. So I, first mm-hmm. and foremost, would probably go more toward my local church if it's healthy, if it has elders, if they're administering, you know, different sacraments and, and actually in board with their theological uh, standing in a, good, in a good service. But campus ministries, by definitions, are parachurches. Mm-hmm. Era. Right, that Greek, as you guys know, is to come alongside, is to mm-hmm. be with, but it's not to be the substance of. Woo! So with that being yes. said, okay. how does the campus okay. ministry supplement the church is the mm-hmm. question, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, again, the church, the church, are they're humble, they're sweet, they should be providing for the campus ministry and it should be the symbiotic relationship. But ultimately, parachurch ministry should come alongside the church and they should not replace. Come on. Um, so with that being said, I think there's personality styles, there's differences there. Um, but if my students are with me in campus ministry, my question is, what church are you in? Mm-hmm. You know, Come on. who are you sitting under? Because there is an authority that you give to me, quote unquote, um, as your yep. disciple and as a woman in God. But ultimately, in Hebrews, it says that the pastor will give an account for his sheep's soul. Mm-hmm. Come and on. So there has to be a recognition from the disciple that mm-hmm. while you have some type of authority and you're walking with this person and you're teaching them day to day, the pastor at the end of the day is the person who's going to be held accountable mm-hmm. um, as well. Mm-hmm. And so you, you definitely, as a disciple, you, you don't want to compete. That's not a question. So that means you need to meet with the local pastors in your area to make sure there's some type of relationship there. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that happens. Mm-hmm. If you want to make sure that um, not just meeting with the local pastors, but if you want to also get into your students' mind that, because <laughs> I've seen this happen too many times, I got students on fire in college, but when it comes to them being in the workplace or when it comes to them yes. being a mom and it comes to them, Come on. Being, you Come know, on. they don't know how to go to the church. Yes. And it's like, Come on because the you know, the thing about the church is it has different generations there. Yeah. So now you learn how to do your taxes in church. And man, that's why I learned right. how to do my taxes. Right. It was from an older right. sister in the church. Um, I learned on. I learned how to deal with different things in my house or my rent or my credit score through the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys already had them on here, but um, I met Christy and Brule, who's a mentor, discipler of mine through the church. I met Karen through the church and, the, and Karen has discipled me for the last 10 plus years mm-hmm. in the gospel. Yeah. And so those relationships... Wow right, are still there. But ultimately, Karen's asking me, where's, where's my pastor at on this? Um, you know, Come on. asking me, what's going on with your elder board? What are they thinking? They're not just mm-hmm. out here rogue. So again, I do think right. to your point, there is this, I have seen conflict, unfortunately, um, as in all relationships there are. But I think what can best happen between parachurch ministries, campus ministries, and the church is that they can come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one last thing, the only problem about being only in campus ministry and not in the local church, not only does it not prepare you for the future of what it means to grow in godliness and in Christianity as an adult, um, but it also, it makes you continuously be a babe. Because what happens is you're only around people your age. You're not being you better challenged. talk. 
you know, you're the big dog, but you're the big dog around small other fish. I mean, you're still a small fish, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you're not really growing, but it can give you the illusion that you've mm-hmm. grown. Um, but when you come get around on. some real struggles and people who've been in the faith for 20 years and have buried children, come on. and you know what I mean? And have come really on. labored through their hard marriages. Come on. That's a different type of godliness that you grow in. And that's where you want to be. Uh, you don't want to be a proud girl who just got a bad breakup and, you know, but she didn't, she didn't key his car or she didn't put something on Facebook. It's like, oh, you're really godly. It's like, okay. Like, you know, there's like, to this. So that's just the thing I want to make sure it's clear that yes. there's more going on in the world and you yes. want to expose yourself to that as yes. a college student. Yes. yes. I appreciate and I, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that admonishment is so on point. And, you know, for even for us as a ministry, the way that the urban Christian woman, I'm a pastor's kid. I understand the, necess- the, ne- the necessity for the local church mm-hmm. and the admonishments from scripture and we are his bride. And so as, as women who disciple and as a ministry that seeks to equip women is for the purpose of building up the body and the local and and going back into the local church, it should, it should almost be for us. It's cyclical. cyclical. It's operating like a, just like, like a, like a wheel, like you're being equipped here but with resources, but you should also be going back into the church. You should also yeah. be hearing what your pastor, yeah. your lay leaders have to say, your yes, elders have yes. to say. Absolutely, yes. girl. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of the Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. What do you think are some of the challenges that can take place um, with um, collegiate discipleship being a peer to peer peer to peer model, which is what you are, which is what yes. you, you were talking about no, with I the ratchetness of the key and of the car. The ratchetness of the key and like, the the not fake, but the under spiritual <laughs> maturity. I shouldn't say fake, but the under yes. maturity and yeah. posturing, right? That there's more. Mm-hmm. Girl, talk to us about. Talk to us about this. 13 years, I've seen some stuff. (laughs) That's all I got to say. In 13 years, I have seen some stuff. I have been the person who did some stuff. Amen. Um, Because I started off discipling as a peer. I started off maybe as a sophomore discipling a freshman. Like you mean? Because I I did have a quick growth. Um, So there were things that God naturally put me in spaces to help other women to see him clearer. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a quick growth that is rooted in in the gospel that allows you to be able to pour back and give shade to your younger sisters who try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens often there, as he says in scripture, is that you get puffed up. I mean, Mm -hmm. quickly get puffed up. And what I've noticed in peer-to-peer discipleship, um, there's usually not no peer-to-peer. There's usually somebody trying to be the, you know what I'm saying, trying to be the ball Mm -hmm. and trying to find their little little timidities around here. And what happens in that when I'm 21 and you're, you're 19, no, that's just a hot mess. Um, another thing about the peer-to-peer, people think they can do is cross-gender. That's going to be cute. 
Uh, that's going to end the pregnancy. That's going to end the pregnancy. Like, no, you can't be out here praying together and sharing your heart with somebody at the two or three o'clock in the morning. You know, costumes be keeping odd hours and think that's uh-huh, not think uh-huh. that's going to end well. That's not going to end well. Come on. In so, case you didn't know that Corey was going to keep it all the way real on this podcast. <laughs> like, that's not going to end well, y'all. So, so yeah, to, but to your point, like, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. So I, I think there can be a problem there. And I think genuinely there can be a problem. So not just the foolishness and the righteousness of one time, I can say no names, but there was one girl and she was came from a rough background and she was on fire for the gospel. I mean, she was on fire, but she didn't, uh, we were on this trip and we take mm-hmm. the students up for six weeks. Well, the students stay there for like 11 weeks. We go up for six weeks uh, to the small town. The students get jobs. They learn how to be Christians and community and they learn how to service their community. So long story short, we all stay in this dorm room style. And I, one of the girls come to me and she's upset. And I say, what you're upset for? She's like, I don't like so-and-so and I got problems with her. I said, well, you know, we're going to go to scripture, we go to Matthew 5, we go to, uh, to, the, to, to the other passages, and we say, hey, what does it look like to address a sister and brother in love when you have a problem with them? So she took that passage, real for real, as a peer, and she said, I'm going to go address her. But she also felt like other people got problems with her. So she went and took the list and wrote down everybody's problems with the girl, not making this up. And then she went to old girl and says, you know, I love you, and I feel like you need to grow in these areas. And then she started reading off the list. And then she said, hey, yo, everybody got this problem with you. So now the girl is up here on this trip away from everybody for 11 weeks feeling super, like, you know what I mean, over scared because she's worried about, like, everybody's perception of her. But also is that peer-to-peer discipleship relationships where the girl thought she had more authority to speak in that girl's life than she did. And so that that girl just, when she heard it, she just bust out crying. And there had to be a whole sit down and a whole come to Jesus meeting between everybody. But those are the hiccups that happen. Again, that girl was well-intending, actually. I actually know that she was really trying to help the girl grow in godliness. But sitting here and listening out somebody's whole sin list ain't, ain't gonna help nobody. But for her, she was that's a not year the ahead. jam. She was a year in. She was like, "This is what happens. This is what we're supposed to do." Um, so, as we said, I, there are hiccups that come along the way, um, mm-hmm. and I think we just got to be careful about the peer to peer, and we got to have um, some accountability. And I think always having an older sister or brother there to help guide that peer to peer relationship um, is probably the best thing um, because mm. yeah, you can only see as far as the, as the next person can see. Mm-hmm. Which and is why you know when you're saying like they're coming you know, collegiate ministry to be coming alongside of the church is the healthiest, right? Because mm. I even think about, um, you know, I've heard, um, I, believe, I feel like it was Jim Wilkin who talks about the family of God, the church being brother, sister, mother, yeah. father, right? Like, so yeah. intrinsic, multi-generational yeah. aspect of, right, the family of God, like yeah. brothers yeah. and sisters and mothers yeah. and fathers. So you're talking yeah. about- yes more spiritually matured, not just by a couple of years, right? Yeah, like yeah. your yeah. mother is yeah. probably, yeah. you know, basically a decade, yeah. two decades, three decades older than you. So yeah, in that dynamic, right? Like this is, this is what you're seeing a healthy church operate as, yeah. and it just does not replicate in the collegiate yeah. setting. It doesn't, not, not mm-hmm. alone. Just and not. yet the peer encouragement, right? Like yeah. is a reality. Like it's there's a, a way thing. that college oh, students energy and have fire and a lot of college students I feel like may come out of the collegiate setting a little bummed out by church that you don't have that like we're up until 3 a.m like yeah 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 Yeah. there is sort of that like that sort of transition that's tough so right like the peer situation the peer relationships are so important but within the context right those are your brothers and sisters right 
in the context mm-hmm. of the family of God where you have the mother and father. Yeah. Like, and can mom. I add one good thing? I should start mm-hmm. off with the positive. Hey, Amen. I told you I can get kind of, <laughs> kind of curmudgeonly. But the one... Honey, you, ain't good, you ain't good company. You ain't good company. We take you as you are. And we, and we too can be as you are. So you know what I'm saying? Like, let me... Let me I, I just got out of campus ministry, y'all. So I kind of have some... Um, some detoxing to do, but um, one, a couple of things that are really good about peer-to-peer relationships is those um, statistically, actually, when you come into college, the people you meet with the first two weeks are going to be the people who you have in lifelong friendships, mm-hmm. right? So why it's really important to get into Christian fellowship early on is because those are the people who are going to be standing at your wedding with you. Those are going to be the people there when you have your first birth to your child or you marry a parent later on in life. Like these are really bonded relationships. So that peer-to-peer dynamic, when you're peering yourself with the world or with so-and-so who's going out, you start to see yourself not grow and you start to see yourself be depleted. But if you're around other good sisters in Christ, other good brothers in Christ, what you actually see yourself doing is growing in godliness. So peer-to-peer relationships are essential. Don't get me wrong. I think I was talking more about the toxicity of someone wanting to always be on top of the other. But additional to that, I will say I also grew most because of my peer-to-peer relationships, right? Somebody, like you said, who's going to stay with me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, screaming to the top of our lungs, whatever song, or is going to go to the legacy, uh, you know, discipleship conferences over the summer, or it's going to, you know, mm-hmm. going to really hold me accountable and be there with me. And that has the capacity to do so. Because, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I stay up, unfortunately. I've stayed up to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with students. But as I got older, I think I started around, like I said, 18, 19, doing discipleship, but campus ministry right out of undergrad college all the way now until I'm 32 years old, honey, I can't stay up at, at 20, at 28. I was done staying up to past 12. Like, you mean like, I, I can't hold you there. There's every, every once in a while, but not really, you know, so the peer to peer allows for a relationship dynamic that I can't necessarily provide um, as right. your older discipler. So I do think peer to peer is fantastic. It's, it's your team, it's your squad. When you look at even the like if you think about like why they be booming is because those are people they found in college. You know, those are mm-hmm. people that really go down like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Okay, so I have another question, which is you were you did collegiate discipleship mm-hmm. at Princeton. Yeah. We all know that there is a broad scope, um, and I'm just coming off the cuff with this, and I'm like thinking through it, but there is a broad scope of ethnicities <laughs> at Princeton. Talk to us about cross-cultural Mm. Okay, come on now, honey. Talk to us about the (laughs) cultural collegiate discipleship and some of what can be challenging in those spaces. um, And um, what would be some of your exhortations to uh, maybe our majority culture, our white um, uh, sisters who are engaging with people from uh, who are black and brown and then our black and brown sisters going um, in the other direction? Talk to yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, it, this is such a good question that if I don't get it all, can we make sure we come back to every part of that question? Amen. Because mm-hmm. that is yes. a real question. I, I uh-huh. want to start by saying that again, those two men who gave me the gospel, they were black brothers. Amen. They have mm-hmm. they have black wives. So in that, mm-hmm. I had that taste. But I have a, a woman who's discipled me, sophomore in college, Beth Paul. She's a white woman, white evangelical, and she is my ride or die. Um, five years ago, I almost lost my life. When I woke up from my surgery, who was there was Beth Paul, right? And she is a white woman mm. and she's still with mm. me. This is post mm. Mike Brown. This is post Trayvon Martin. So she, so, you know what I'm saying? The blood of Christ, first and foremost, Ooh. makes this family. Amen. So off top, that's where we're going to start with the race amen. part. But amen. with that, amen, in every family, it's a mess. And there's dysfunction, amen. okay? Amen. On this side of glory, that is just true. 
And so with that being said, um, I will say that as I've grown under white evangelical discipleship, specifically from undergrad, and then I chose to do so in my adult life, again, having heavy black influences as well from the black church. My church was built six months after slavery. So I'm in the black space as well. But with white people pouring into me, I felt like I was more receptive Mm -hmm. that when I got to a place of authority and discipleship, it seemed like I had to change or address as a black woman in order to get the gospel across. Whereas I never asked that of my white disciples. Mm. So I think what they want to be careful about white majority cultures when they hire these black women on staff and you hear my testimony, you say, oh, glory be to God, you've been redeemed from something. But when I show up in my likeness of who I've been redeemed from, amen. And then you looking crazy, like what just happened? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, no. I told you though, it's not, it's more than a cute story. It is what yes. God has birthed me out of. Amen. Come so we on. have to get on board with that. Um, so when I talk a certain way or I present a certain way, that's 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 part of how God has fashioned me. And so I'm not gonna come at things maybe possibly as docile as you would like. You know, I may not come at things a certain um perspective and know that Back. you have culture too. Part of this is cultural, right? Yeah. And so I have a culture, but don't mean I need to be released my culture that's not sin. And you have a culture. And don't mean you got to be released in your culture that's not sin. So, like, mm-hmm. I think there's something there that when we come into these spaces, what I think white majorities uh, culture needs to understand is that oftentimes the Black woman or Black man is asked to d- divest themselves of their culture in order to give the gospel. And it actually, in my opinion, weakens the potency of the gospel and the transformational yeah. spirit that he Say it. So I would argue or suggest that white culture allow black people or brown people that they hire to be fully themselves as they come into those spaces. And then I think they should elevate and spotlight the goodness of that culture, right? Because what happened in my instance was I was in a very predominantly white space and white students didn't know how to take me. Um, and it's even when I tried to kind of, like you said, um, make it um, be all things to all people is the way I would say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I tried to be all things to all people, I still felt like they still didn't know how to take me. Mm-hmm. Um, so but mm-hmm. I, there's also um, situations where one time they um, somebody wore blackface. My God. Um, to Ooh. a uh, to an it's event, to a Halloween. And they didn't understand why I was mad. Okay, no. now, <laughs> like, you're like, what are we doing, people? And so, so you have those experiences, and then you still want me to get up, and you want me to give the gospel, but yeah, I'm still carrying different microaggressions or a blatant aggressions toward me. And so, I'm not trying to go too far out here, but I, what I would like to say is that I think that cross-cultural discipleship can work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it can work because it worked for me. And so therefore it can work the other way. If it's not working the other way from black to white down, then I think there's a pride issue or a privilege issue that needs to be checked, whether it's institutional from a church or from a parachurch or was individual. Now I will say I do have many white um, and Asian um, Hispanic uh, disciplees that I disciple. But the one thing, the reason why they stay with me so long is they allow me to be myself. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come into my mess. That's what discipleship is. It is not a performance. It is mm-hmm. people seeing what you just come on, on your Spotify. My Say God. it, girl. It's seeing what Say you've been it, watching girl. on Netflix. Okay. Um, right. and, and you have to be accountable toward that. It's being yourself when you're taking somewhere somewhere and somebody's being rude. How do you respond? Is it in godliness and love? How do you balance your checkbook? I mean, they're all in my stuff, right? And, and with that, they see the fullness of who I am. I remember I told my story real fast to... One of my one of my uh, disciples, Lily, and Lily is Lily White. Amen. She's <laughs> she's Lily White, and I love her dearly. But she comes from you know affluence. She comes from you know West Coast style, very flower child. And okay. okay. I told her my story. <laughs> 
And it caught me off guard because we were meeting and I asked her her story, but students don't usually care about you. So I didn't think she was going to ask me my story. Like, you know, I just didn't think she was going to ask me. So I was like, oh, yo, I was fighting and then I hit somebody and then Jesus came. Like, I didn't know how to say my story right. And so when I left, I was like, man, Lord, this little white girl is not going to be on board. I was like, if, if, if the spirit of God is real in her, she's going to be attracted to the God ministry. She's not. But I'm not about to stress about yeah. it. And she's to this day is one of my strongest disciples. And she allows me to be fully Corey, fully who I am. And she mm. submits to my authority. She doesn't question my authority when it comes to, hey, whether or not you should be doing this or, hey, whether or not, you know, you're aligning with scripture in a certain way. She doesn't. Yeah. Like, she, whereas I feel like there when I first came into spaces, I had to plead for white people to, for me to be a trusted voice in that space. Mm. You know, mm. you're, you're very quick to listen to Jen Wilkin, who don't know your life. You know what I mean? But I know your life and I'm seeing your foolishness, but you're quick to submit to her, but you're not listening to this, uh, which is that you're out of pocket, right. <laughs> you know, and some things. Right. So, Corey, Corey, in your life. Corey I'm, and I'm, I see Corey, it I'm, and I can tell Corey, you about it. <laughs> Corey, I'm up in here clapping because that is one of the things that we talked about, um, even with Sister Christie, is that, mm. you know, oftentimes w- what we're dealing with right now in our, in our culture, especially... Um, with um, this generation and many, it, I think cross cross generations, is that people have no problem getting all the knowledge from every single book that yeah. is coming out Come from every Christian publishing house. Oh but when somebody comes to you face to face, which is the <laughs> face essence face of dis- discipleship. Come on. Come on, y'all. Yes. They like, they like, hold on one second. They question yeah. they're questioning See. what you have observed, questioning how they have been received. Yeah. And so um, I think that you landing on that is so pivotal right now. Yeah. And then I have to come back now and ask you, what is your personal definition of discipleship? Because mm. many women have been articulating like, this is what discipleship is. This is my definition. Mm. What is the Corey definition through the gospel, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. of discipleship? Yeah, that's a great question. Wow. I'm trying to give it a nutshell because I can give an explanation, but a definition short. I would say. And if you want to back it, if you if you give the definition, then you can explain it. Okay, okay, but I'll definitely. Yeah, I think it's two people being vulnerable and pushing toward the image of Christ. Right. I, I think it's just that simple. When you show when you guys saw me on this podcast, I'm telling you my foolishness. I'm showing you how I didn't like women from the gate and how now I love them, right? That same mm-hmm. energy I take into a relationship with a girl who's just a little bit younger than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I do. And then she takes that. Now, this is where I get, this is where I really shout. When she takes that and pours that into another girl. Mm-hmm. Come on. I want to cry. Mm-hmm. When I see myself multiplied like that after laboring for somebody, and it's like, you didn't just yeah. get spiritually obese, but like you poured that out. Yeah. There, there ain't nothing else in this world that I that ain't can give like me. Us. Ain't nothing like that to give me that type of joy. It ain't, yeah. ain't no success or nothing because Come on. I'm having kingdom impact and it didn't just stop. So for me, it really is giving myself over to someone as I'm growing and then them giving themselves over to someone else. And just to seeing that generational back to back, ain't nothing like it. Not a thing like nothing it. Nothing like it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Straight up Mm-mm. God's design. I love that you were channeling Kay Ellis with the, uh, you know, she talks about moving from foolishness to wisdom, right? Yeah. Come on. So you're in that journey with uh, someone else 
And that doesn't mean you yourself are exempt from that. You're in your own no. process from foolishness and yeah. as they continue in that process from foolish yeah. to wisdom, right? You're Come on, reach forward yeah. and do mm. that again. Yeah. If you got a person yeah. to your point, Lee, if you got a person who who say they ain't got foolishness in their life and they trying to disciple you, you need to run. Because right. That, that is <laughs> not right. it. Like yo, no, like for real, I had to ask a woman one time to please stop discipling me. Like that's how serious it got because mm. she had that posture. And ain't nothing like a twenty year old asking six year old that yeah. you don't think this is the right situation for you. Yeah. Like that's super embarrassing, you know. So to your yeah. point, you definitely they definitely have to sh- be able to assess their own mess mm. in order for them to be able to accurately assess yours. I will say this: I just really feel like I know we're wrapping up, but I I feel like what people don't do often in discipleship is they don't enjoy each other. They don't enjoy godliness and a life of godliness and what it means mm-hmm. to hang out and what it means to have good fellowship and fun and to go out to the mm-hmm. movies and to do TikTok, just stupid stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're in the scriptures, we're in the word, we're doing prayer, we're fasting. My girls, they fast, y'all. Like, they be out here in these streets mm-hmm. and they be fasting. And I'm like, yo, this is so dope. But also there's there's just goodness with each other. And when I'm pointing out sin, which is honestly maybe 25% of the relationship, because honestly, if I'm living in a life of godliness and there's a discipleship relationship where you've chosen to enter into, you want to mimic me. So you Mm want to mimic fruits of the spirit that you see in me. So I'm less Mm -hmm. likely to even have to point out half the stuff you're doing because you're getting all conviction by the Holy Spirit himself. You don't, I want a person when I come to you for something, I want you to already know it. I don't mm-hmm. want this to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this should not be the first time you're hearing that you have an anger problem when I bring it to you. So but and by the time I get to you, I'm seeing a pattern. So I'm never pointing out the first thing I see, the mm-hmm. second. I'm waiting to the pattern so that when you do say, hey, I didn't catch that in myself or I prayed about it, I don't see it. Well, do you remember this? And, mm-hmm. and also not just then, but also here and here. And so the first time it mm-hmm. could be a mistake, since I understand that. But these other mm-hmm. times, like, are you starting to see the pattern develop? What are you thinking? And so I, if I'm telling you what it is, it's not helpful because when you get older, you're not going to know how to identify so I do need you to be able to get to that that spiritual muscle that you can identify your sin, take responsibility, repent, and move forward, right? And mm-hmm. all those things take in and of themselves a muscle. To, to, mm-hmm. to identify takes a muscle, to acknowledge it shit takes a muscle, mm-hmm. and then to like confess it takes a muscle, and to repent. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then not just repent, but be free. Because a lot of girls, mm-hmm. unfortunately, women for us, we can sometimes be, we can feel saddened by our sins to the place where it paralyzes us. And I, one thing on. about... God and me is I'm going to be free. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm not about to dwell on this. I'm going to be yes. free. I, he said, I'm free by that blood and I'm going to take it and keep it. Come on. And so Come that's on. huge in your growth. People are like, oh, I, I just feel this about myself. How long have you been feeling that way? Two or three years? Oh my God. Like, like we got to let some things go at the cross mm-hmm. and in order yeah. to be free to do the mission that's ahead. You can't be holding that trauma and that, and that baggage and also be doing the work and holding other people's trauma and baggage. It's hard to do gospel work if you're Ooh. holding both. So something you got to let go of, you know, and God tells us to carry other burdens as he carries out. So I do think you need to be trying to let go of your own stuff and heal. Mm. Mm. You can take us to school Ooh. here on this podcast. I mean, you can take us. <laughs> And I'm like, the door, I'm like, everybody needs to go on your virtual church and just the doors of the church are open when they have that breakout group and be like, I'm I'm getting too excited up in here. Leah, y'all crazy. Y'all mean, no, you are dropping. It's a joy. Like straight drop gem after gem that that is really to equip and empower uh, collegiate disciples and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really, I really just want to know when the book is coming out. <laughs> I mean, 
And I will write a and I will write a personal email because and I and I'm just being honest. I'm being honest right now. Even what you were saying about um you allow these these women that you are walking with to build a a, a sort of track record. Yeah. Um to build a track record yeah. um, in regards to them being able to identify yeah. over a period of time that this is now, a, it's, it's become a pattern. Yeah. And um, I, I think one of the challenges with discipleship, mm-hmm. and I've seen this with young with young women, is that people are like, they just want to, like, they want the resolution immediately mm-hmm. after they tell them that they're wrong. And, mm-hmm. and number yeah. one, because they're not meeting with the, with with grace, but instead meeting them with here. Yes, I see your sin. Yes, I'm calling you out. Yeah. So you need to repent. And th- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're just making it so cut yeah. and dry that it actually sets up a barricade yeah, for collegiate and even young adult women yeah. to not want to continue to engage in the space of discipleship yeah. Yeah. because they're like, man, I, it's... I can't struggle. Apparently, yeah. I yeah, can't yeah, struggle exactly. with this That's person. what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, you yeah. can't struggle. Yeah. And the sad thing about it is, in, in, I've seen students more than not because they so want God. You know, they, they just want God so bad that they'll submit to that. And then they, when they start discipling, they'll replicate that mess. And they start become very stringent. And that's mm, the danger. So now it's a whole yeah. culture Ooh. where everybody coming after people and just uh, sin seekers. You're seeking out people's sin and trying to hit them out on the head with it. And so to your point, I've definitely seen that. And, and that is scary. And so that, so that has to so stop. So let's part there and say, what does it actually look like in a collegiate discipleship relationship yeah. to lovingly rebuke? And how? Mm. what is the healthy model, right? Like we've articulated the challenge so what is a healthy model that you can exhort and encourage us with? Yeah. Is it, uh, I need to study this one, but it's Matthew 18 or 19, um, but it's, it's right there. I literally just use it. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. like Leah's like, what's the healthy model? It's like, as Leah knows, like it's just right there in scripture. Mm-hmm. But it says, if you have an offense, if a person has done an offense against you, I kind of take the same confronting my disciple um, and helping them to see something. And the same thing is an offense because ultimately whatever you're doing, it is an offense, whether it be with another person Okay. Or whether it be an okay. offense against yeah. God. And every single right. no matter, even if it involves another person's offense against God. So when I look right. at that, it says to address the person. Mm-hmm. And so I do come. And after, like you said, we see the pattern. I address them. I don't address them through text message. My God. I don't address <laughs> them through an email. Okay. I don't. Come on, I, proximity. No snaps, no, come on. No Snapchat. Because that's what I be seeing. These girls. I say, you did what now? Um, so not a Snapchat. Marco Polo. <laughs> you know, Marco Polo. What are we doing? People. So if possible, I know it's COVID, but if possible, if COVID isn't here, I try to sit them down in a space and I'm uninterrupted. My phone ain't vibrating. Mm -hmm. I ain't got a thousand one things going on around me. I'm just talking with this student or with this girl or whoever I'm talking to. And when I bring up the issue, I now at first I didn't like this way, but I have gotten used to it. I do do the sandwich approach. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them and I assure them that this that I love them. Right. So there's not a question about whether or not we've about to drop this relationship after I bring this up. It's not a question Facts. about whether or not you're wrong or how, how, you know, I don't like you anymore. No, no. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. invested here. I'm not leaving. But mm-hmm. I'm also because I'm not leaving. I'm seeing something that I know that I know that you want to be free from if, if you mm. get, or something like that. I'm helping her to say, mm-hmm. I love you. I see you. And I know, too, I know you. And I know that you would want this as well if you could see it. Mm-hmm. So do you see this offense? Do you see this sin? And it's a question. Mm. Now, I didn't come to her and tell her she had to sin. 
I said, do you see it? Mm -hmm. Right. And so right there, it gives her the ability to be able to answer the question. Yes or no. It gives her agency versus Mm -hmm. me coming at her left field. And she can say Mm -hmm. yes or no. And depending on what the answer is from that, I go into whether it be the pattern or I go into the pattern no matter what, because the pattern helps the person to articulate why they felt anger. So even if the person says, no, she says, yeah, I see it. I see I have an anger problem. Like, yeah, because I noticed it here. What was going on there? Tell me. And then you start to see why she got angry. You start to see what it is, how she goes through the emotions, why she gets to a space of anger and why this tied to some trauma in her life where she felt out of control. And so she has anger to get control because she feels out of control. Okay, well, now mm. this is a conversation where we can take this to the gospel. Mm. We can say, well, God is ultimately in control. And so now when you feel out of control, you don't have to get to anger. You don't have to seek control. You can pray. Mm. You don't have to get out of potty. You don't have to have um, anger and resentment and bitterness on your tongue. You can actually bless that person, even though you feel like they're taking you out of control. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. But it don't get there unless I ask the question from the gate. So there's something about mm-hmm. the question being asked. There's something about walking through the scenario with the person Praying, I am praying, I am praying, I'm praying. Holy Spirit, help me to see. Holy Spirit, help me to understand. Holy Spirit, help me to have a posture. So it's not just what I'm saying. It's also how I'm holding my body. Am I aggressive? Mm-hmm. Am I laid back? Yes. You know what I mean? Am yes. I smiling? And is, is, is my face? Yes. All of those yes. things all play. Somebody said, you know, when you get up to teach, that you, you know, you read the text, but they read you. And so there's something about body language that comes into play mm. when you're ministering to somebody. And so mm-hmm. you definitely want to check that as well. And so once that's identified, we agree and we understand, and we get into what, what is it like to be free from this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm. accountability is what people go straight jump to, but it's like, I want to be free. So because I want to be free, I want accountability. Mm-hmm. Versus I want to be accountable mm. and then hold, uh, hopefully I'll get free. You got to order it right. No, no, no. Got to yeah. order that right. Got to get that yeah. together. Order that right. Honey. <laughs> order that order right. Because right. I'm gonna, like right I said, now. if nothing more, I'm going to be free. Okay. Because he'll free me on that cross. I'm about to live my life mm-hmm. in condemnation and in bondage. Who got time Ooh. for that? I got to be free now. Ooh. And so, so because I need to be free, I want to be accountable. Yeah. yeah. Like I had a girl right now with a situation with a boyfriend and she sought me out to make sure that he had a place to stay so that he they're not sleeping in the same area mm-hmm. because she wants to be free because she wants to have a good relationship with the Lord. So she hit me up Come to on. make sure he has a place to stay so they're not sitting on the same roof. Mm-hmm. What, what's Come the on. goal of that? The goal is freedom, not necessarily to take away her boyfriend and, and to have Come him on away now. from her, right? Come These on are now. practical ways of how do I abstain from sex from marriage? Well, you become accountable so that you can be free so you can marry that man you say you love so oh. much and you can have sex mm-hmm. in the right context. Mm-hmm. So all so, of this mm-hmm. matters. So Amen. yeah, sorry. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's the steps. If I were going through the steps, those were how I would try to help work with a woman through it. It's through those steps. Y'all, we're Corey, walking out of this podcast. Oh my God. School belt stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm so like, I'm, Corey, I'm just like so thankful for this conversation on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think not only were um, women who disciple collegiate women equipped, um, but I think that women just in general yeah. were encouraged and equipped um, in this conversation. Um, and I mean, my goodness, it is it is a blessing. And and at the same time, I also want to say I'm rejoicing because you are a spiritual mother. You might not. You got plenty of kids out here, honey. You got plenty of babies out here. You got spiritual babies in the Lord. And God is so glorified um, and and um, in your and how you have faithfully uh, charted charted that that road that road. Will you will you pray for us and pray for 
um, collegiate women? Yes. Will you pray for women who are doing discipleship peer to peer and then um, older women who are discipling collegiate women? Will you close us out and pray for us? For sure. God, I thank you so much for this time with you. I thank you so much for my sisters, just the way in which you've gifted both of these women to be able to bring resources to the church. God, we just thank you. I thank you for the lineup that they have of women who I know have been spiritual mothers to me. And I know are teaching the church and training the church, Father, and what it means to walk out a life full of godliness. God, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, we lift up right now the college students, God, who are 18 to 21, people who are entering college, um, and who just feel, God, that they want to be closer to you, who want to be around you, Father, but they don't know how. God, we just pray mm-hmm. that you open up campus ministers, that you open up um, parachurch ministries, you open up churches, doors, Father, to them to mm-hmm. so they may know mm-hmm. how to become more and more intimate in a relationship with you, Father. What is it mm-hmm. like to strip off the world and the different things that the world calls them to be? And what is it like for them mm-hmm. to walk into a, a relationship with you full of intimacy, God, full of promise, full of hope? Oh, you are good. And I know that you will give this mm-hmm. to your children. You, they seek you, Father. You've made that clear. Yes, Lord. So God, we pray over these students. We pray protection, Father, during a season of COVID, during loneliness, during strife in their homes, Father. We just pray that you would be gracious to them, that they would be able again to find resources and time to get closer to you. God, for similarly, yes. we pray for the peer-to-peer relationships, God. That is a sweetness. You say what type of sweetness it is to have a brother um, who is closer to you, um, uh, to have a friend closer to you than a brother. God, you make mm-hmm. that clear in your word. And so would you be gracious to those peer-to-peer relationships where they find, even in the struggle, God, that they it's better to be with each other than apart. Uh, with all the mm-hmm. conflict and the things that happen, God, would they just have an amazing experience that they can look back on and tell um, their families and their church people how great it was to walk arm in arm as a college student alongside other sisters and brothers in Christ. And God, mm-hmm. we pray who are laboring to have a new generation, God, that will call on your name. We pray for those mm-hmm. who are spiritual mothers and we pray for the churches who are trying yes, to Lord. identify, Father, um, mm-hmm. what it's like to work well with campus ministries and also yes, college Lord. students. God, would you give them wisdom and innovative Yes, God, Lord. Would you give them inspiration of what it looks like to do uh, the gospel well for this generation, God? Will it be yes, Lord. Generation Zers. God, would you just equip them with patience and with the energy in your spirit? Would you allow them to know the goodness and the sweetness of what it is to have children raised mm-hmm. to bless them, God, from this experience? Oh, yes. God, we love you. You are our Father. You are deeply rooted in each of us on this calling. God, we just ask that these things that we have been spoken, God, what is not of you, let it be taken out of their ears. But God, what is of you um, from blood, sweat, and tears, and from my own agony, God, of discipling women. But we realize it is not a calling, Father. It is not a position that you have to do. It's a position that you have commanded us to do. It's a position that's a natural mm-hmm. way of the church. So God, would you mm-hmm. please allow people to understand that this mm-hmm. is not selective, but it is what you have you you desire for the church to do. So what would be mm-hmm. healthy in the church, God, and will we continue to disciple this generation on this around mm-hmm. us? We love you dearly, Father. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a blessed day, ladies. Thank you guys. Ladies, thanks so much for listening today to our interview with Corey Porter. You can follow up with Corey on social media through Twitter at Corey Porter or IG at Corey Porter 3. And check out the work she's doing as the new CEO of Christian Solidarity Worldwide, an organization that advocates for religious freedoms around the globe. You can follow along with their work at CSWUSA on Twitter and IG. 
Y'all, we're so glad you've come along with us on this series through discipleship. Join us in two weeks as we round out season three of the podcast talking about living on mission. 